0: Welcome to the Wild on Sports Weekly Podcast for the week of May 20th. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis Espes. As always, joined in studio by my co-host, the one and only angry Irishman himself, Maddie McRance, and of course, at the controls, the real cop salad himself, Mr. Dubworth Esquire III. Uh, Those of you listening out there, you can join the conversation. Head us up on Twitter, at Wild on Sports, or via email, you can send anything into the show. We'll get to the mailbag a little bit later on, but that's info at wildonsports.com. Um, on the agenda for tonight, Maddie, we're going to talk about a little bit about the NHL playoffs. Obviously, a ton going on there. A uh, little look at the NBA as well. We've got one commissioner in the NHL who's just absolutely static. Well, we have a guy in the NBA who's probably crying himself to sleep at this point. Uh, over in the NFL... A lot of big news going down just in the last 24 hours or so. Uh, we'll get to that in just a few minutes. And, of course, we'll take a look at the MLB as well. Maddie, how are we doing
1: tonight? I'm doing great. And awesome, awesome. I'm doing great, awesome. especially after seeing the Boston Bruins come back from a one nothing deficit. But it didn't really feel like they were ever down in that game, did it?
0: No, I mean, both teams really came out to play last night. That I mean that that was by far the best full game of hockey we've seen out of the Rangers all year. Um, and that all starts right in goal with Hen- Henrik Lundqvist. The guy was just an absolute machine in there. And realistically, the Bruins should have had four or five goals. Um, you, we
1: He stood on his head last night.
0: He absolutely did. And he had a little bit of help as well, a couple of posts, and we saw what appeared to be the puck acted like a golf ball with a Tiger Woods sand wedge, landed on the goal line and zipping back. Uh, fortunately, Daniel Paillet was there to bang it home, but my goodness, have you ever seen anything like that?
1: I, not unless it was on a golf course, and that was that was amazing, but great heads-up play by uh, Paye and Thornton to crash the net there and uh, find the back of the net after that.
0: Boy, that fourth line has really been something else. They bring just a ton of energy to the table every week, uh, well,
1: every game. Um, I mean, they, you can call them the fourth line, but they're really like a four versus line four.
0: Right. I mean, by definition,
1: um, I mean, really it's three
0: grinders, uh, which is what you are going to have on your third and fourth lines. Um but they play absolutely just fantastic together. They really feed off each other and give that team a huge boost. Um, I mean, really that's what the Rangers want to have in guys like Broussard and, you know, what they used to have, um, with Steve Avery and just all of those guys. That's what the Rangers have always thought to have. Um, but never
1: quite showing the execution with it.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. and, they're getting goals in their fourth line, which no other team in the playoffs can say at this point. Um, so I guess jumping right into the Eastern Conference, we're already pretty pretty deep here. Um, before we get too deep into this Rangers-Bruin series, let's jump over to the Penguins and the Senators just real quick. Um, what on earth is going on with the goaltending situation with Pittsburgh, Matt? It's just an absolute mess. Who knows? I mean...
1: They have a goalie that brought him to a Stanley Cup with Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't know what happened to his confidence, but those uh, those pads aren't working out for him. They uh, go over to Vukun in net now, and I don't know. They need something more permanent there, or Fleury, to get his stride back.
0: Yeah, I mean, Volcun is a decent goaltender. He's... He provides good depth for him, but at 35, I don't know how, you know, how much of the weight he can handle on those shoulders. He's been around for quite a while. Started with Montreal, bounced around, played in Nashville for a bit, most recently in Washington, um, and has been decent. I mean, he, he's done the job. He's come in and kind of righted the ship a little bit so far this series. But as far as flurry
1: goes. I mean, but just wow is all you can really say exactly I, what you said. They brought him in for depth. They didn't bring him in to lead a team to the conference finals or to the Stanley cup finals. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think in all honesty that before the playoffs are done, we're going to see flurry again. And if in fact the penguins do make a run to the Stanley cup finals, it's going to be flurry. That's going to take them there. Um,
1: when now, the time of recording, is, while we're recording this, those teams haven't played game four yet. If this series gets evened up 2-2, does Flurry come yeah. in? Yeah, I, I, I think he has to.
0: I mean, he's their franchise guy at this point. I mean, they're paying him just tons of money. He, in the regular season, is one of the best goalies in the last five or six years out of anybody in the regular season. He and Lundquist are the two guys that really just – kind of pop off the stats page when you look at him. Uh, just super consistent and just
1: a completely different guy. I mean, he... Do you see <laughs> the flurry situation mirroring the Carey Price situation up in Montreal where two guys are supposed to be the goalie but haven't yeah. really panned out in the playoffs? Yeah, I
0: mean... <sighs> It's hard to really pass judgment on Price this year. He's been kind of fighting a nagging groin injury um, that kind of kept him out here and there. Peter Budai did a great job filling in during the regular season, but he—I mean—there's a reason why he's bounced around from a few teams and has never really stuck anywhere. He just can't be consistent enough to carry the load as a number one goaltender. Uh, but as far as Price goes. I mean, time will tell he's really
1: young still. I mean, what is he, 25, 26, something yeah, he's like that? Which, and, one of those guys where you see his age and you're like, wow, he's as old as I am. Yeah. I,
0: they, they, and he's been in the league forever. Both he and Fleury came in really young teenagers. Um, so it feels like they've been around for five or six years, which they, they have. Um, so while the age, the number itself is pretty small, they're pretty seasoned, and you would think he'd be getting a little bit. Better play out of these guys. You would hope um, so. As far as the teams in front of them, um, Daniel Alferson just continues to kill the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's something he's done his entire career. Uh, what a machine Age- that guy's been. He's oh, it, it, just an ageless wonder. I mean, he is the best player not named Carlson on that team. He's by far <laughs> the best offensive player. Um, and he's doing it in his mid upper 30s now. And it's just an the machine. I, he reminds me a lot of Chara in terms of conditioning, and it's just amazing how much ice time those guys can log. I mean, they're pushing it right,
1: right. almost every night in the playoffs. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah, they're not young bucks anymore, and both he and Chara always no. seemingly are on the ice when now, the game's on the line, when the top line is out there. You can count on he. You can count on Chara. To be out there
0: to counter that, right, right. Um, I mean, and that goal, going back to the game three, real quick. That goal, Alfredson scored to score a short-handed goal with 30 seconds left in the game to tie it up and send it to overtime.
2: That's what devastating,
0: complete, Yeah, exactly. Devastating is the perfect word for it. Just a complete shift of momentum. Um, and I mean, it, the Penguins stuck with it and pushed it to two overtimes, but I mean, Ottawa just. They were completely revitalized. They took all the air out
1: of their sails with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It'll be really interesting to see what happens in game four there. Um, is Pittsburgh going to bounce back and take a commanding lead going home, or is Ottawa going to make it really interesting?
1: Um, hit the win and make this a long series. And selfishly, as a Bruins fan, I want that series to go seven. I want it to be scrappy. I want it to be a bloodbath. Right.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you're a Bruins fan, the longer the Bruins – well, actually, I guess the quicker the Bruins can finish that series and the longer they can have their injured and banged-up guys get some rest, the better. Um, I guess shifting over there, the Bruins' defense has really been the talk of the NHL. they got three rookies back there, two of which hardly played at all the regular season. Uh, they were just called up from Providence, who was in the middle of their own playoff run. And they've jumped right in seamlessly, filling in from guys like Seidenberg and Ference, who are just huge parts of what the Bruins do back
1: there. Especially Seidenberg, who's paired with Chara, to see the yeah. way that that Krug, Barkowski, and Hamilton have all really stepped up, um, especially in this series. It's just uh, yeah, I, the, the, the offense of the Bruins. Ability.
0: Of those defensemen, is what is really stuck out. I mean, we we kind of knew Dougie Hamilton had that offensive side in him. So of the three, that wouldn't really surprise you. But to see little five foot eight <laughs> Tyler Krug <who> scoring <laughs> in the first two games of the series, adding an assist in game two, just I, good for him.
1: First I, two I'm NHL happy. goals are in the Eastern Conference semifinals against the best goalie left in uh, hockey right uh, now.
0: Not, not the best goalie left, the best goalie, period. I mean, when Lundqvist is on his game, I, I don't think there's anybody that's even on the same, uh, even in the same discussion with him at this point in time. And there's a handful of guys that are decent, but he, he's in and another
1: world. The Bruins have always been looking for that puck-moving defenseman to run a power play at the point. I know they've brought in a few guys over the years to but, uh, try to Caballet fill that influence. gap. And now with these uh, three youngsters, they might have a solution in-house.
0: Yeah, I mean, both Hamilton and Krug can really move the puck. They see the ice very well, jump up in the play. Um, Bartomsky has been just so solid. He got beat once that I saw there in game three, uh, which is the first time in the entire series I've seen him get beat, but he got right back in the play, drove the guy hard into the boards behind the net and turned right around and brought it back up the ice. So, I mean, I he was guy, for he got solid. I mean, Ferrets is a free agent after this year. You got to imagine with the emergence of these three guys, he's gone. Um, Mm-hmm. Bartoszki's contract becomes a one-way next year, um, so he's pretty much guaranteed to be in that lineup. And beyond that, I mean,
1: I would mm-hmm. assume... After, after what Kruger be... showed you, you know he's going to yeah. get a crack at the top six. Oh,
0: yeah, I mean, and he's going to get some time here to really show the Bruins what he has to offer. Uh, he's the only guy of the three that has a two-way contract for next year. Um, so just purely from a financial standpoint, he might be the odd man out. Um, right, but he can always play his way into the lineup. That's, that's the thing about the NHL. Whoever the best players are are going
1: to play. So we'll see what happens there. So do you see the Bruins breaking out of the Bruins and getting the sweep in this, or are the Rangers well, going to show a little heart and a little determination in front of their home crowd and make the series you, come back to Boston?
0: You would think that the Rangers would be able to do something and steal a game at home. I mean, Lundqvist showed that, I mean, he almost single-handedly stole that game from him in game three. If he had gotten any help offensively, I mean, Brad Richards, the guy who won a Stanley Cup and was the MVP for Tortorella at Tampa Bay, he's been demoted down to the fourth line. He's the guy that played on the Didn't first Didn't he only line have, it.
1: like, eight minutes of ice time in game three? Yeah, I mean, they
0: pretty much only Minimal. used him on the play. That was about it. I mean, the power play, which is just absolutely god-awful at this point. Right. Um, absolutely terrible. I mean, their power play right now is worse than the power play that the Bruins had when they won the Cup in <laughs> I
1: thought oh, that was man, mad. that was brutal. It was. Uh, but I did I just guess, want to bring uh, up one more thing for you here as well. We were talking about Danny Alvarez and how he seems to be a ageless wonder, and maybe I'm just nitpicking but the way that Yammer Yager is playing right now, I am not impressed by him. Well, he seems old. He's not moving his feet. I know that he trusts his offensive skill, but he just seems like a liability. Well, there are, there are two schools of thought when it comes to Yager. Um, uh,
0: he's obviously not the same guy he was, but he was in the 90s, and he was the best player in the NHL. We all know that. He's 38. It would be foolish to expect that. Um, exactly. His feet Peter slow at this point. I mean, he, he's an old man. You know who he is? He is Mark Recchi with a heck of a lot more offensive
1: ability. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't see Recky get outskated and get a penalty drawn on him because of it. Sure.
0: Oh, absolutely he did. in in the playoffs in 2011, Mark Recchi was there for inspiration in the locker room. He was a guy who would walk up, he he was there to try to help the young guys along cuz
1: nobody on that team had ever really seen thing, you know? Maybe now, the uh maybe I had the uh black and yellow glasses on and after a couple of years, he just remembered the good parts about his game.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, no, no. no. It's, with Jager, it's twofold. Obviously, the defensive zone, he's garbage. So it's much, it must just drive Julian absolutely crazy, who is a huge defensive first guy. Um, but in the offensive end, he still sees the ice better than anybody on either one of those teams. I mean, the passes that he can make to thread the needle and go tape the tape with guys, I mean still is just really fun to watch. Uh, So, huge asset on the power play. While he hasn't found the back of the net himself, he's set up a number of really beautiful goals. Um, I I just think that trying to watch him skate with Bergeron and Marchant isn't fair to him. No.
1: He's in there with two spark plugs, and he's uh, he's an old car on the side of the road.
0: The nice thing that the Bruins have going for him there, though, Is Bergeron's just so unbelievably good defensively that he almost makes up for what they're losing with Yager on that line now um, in the defensive zone. Um, So there's that. He needs to. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a reason why he's in contention for defensive player of the year every single year. There you have it. So. So. So that that stands
1: right now. What's that? I'm uh, just a little bit of a recap here. As it stands right now while we're speaking, Boston up three nothing. Pittsburgh with a two one lead over Ottawa. Currently, they're playing on Wednesday night. Do you see uh Pittsburgh getting out of the series and so how many games? Um, yeah I, Pittsburgh is just way too deep
0: offensively to lose to this team, uh, I think. I mean, the only way Pittsburgh loses is if Anderson beats them. And then that's it. Because Ottawa is going to score, you know, two, three goals a night. But with that Pittsburgh offense, they're just so incredibly they deep. They are. It's unfair. They just keep rolling them. When it's Crosby. It's Malkin. It's Iginla. It's Morrow. It's Jokinen. It's Kuhn. It's Dupley. And on and on and on and on and on. It's just right. endless offensive talent. So, at this point, I mean, I would think Pittsburgh in six, maybe seven, if Ottawa can sneak one more here. It's just, uh, it's so hard to tell what you're going to get out of them. <laughs> and with Ottawa, they uh, I'm just not convinced that they can keep the puck out of their own net enough to come out of this series.
1: No, that's what are you- the beauty of uh, That's the beauty of playoff hockey.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Who knows? Um, Looking over at that Bruins-Rangers series, what do you see this one finishing? Are they going
1: to get the sweep or what? I don't see the Rangers coming back from dead here. They're not Toronto. I don't think they have that fight in them. I think Boston puts them away on Thursday. Yeah. They get the sweep. They get the rest that they need to get everyone healthy and they look forward to the winner of the Pittsburgh-Ottawa series.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, I would like to think that the Rangers are going to show up for at least one game, so I'm going to go Boston in five, taking it back on home ice. Um, But really it would not surprise me or anyone, I think, at this point, to uh, see the Bruins go in there and just knock them right out. I think if the Bruins score early in that game, the Rangers are going to kind of lay down a little bit. Good night. Go home, yeah. So, I mean, getting off to a great start is going to be key, um, but you got to beat Lundqvist to do it. So, we'll see. That's true. All right, with that, we're going to shift gears and head over to the Western Conference. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, looking like the Red Wings of old now. What do you see in there?
1: I mean, for a team that was seated so low and had to struggle and limp into the playoffs, they're giving Chicago all they can handle, especially with Jimmy yeah. Howard in that Houston. He's been on fire.
0: He really has been a rock for them. And getting Datsu, and Zetterberg back and healthy and on their games has made a night and day difference for them, I think. Um, just huge, huge, huge um, being able to rely on guys like that to get it done. Uh, cause guys like Fraunzen are starting to lose a step or two. They lost a big offensive talent in Holmstrom who retired uh, the defensive end. My goodness, losing Lindstrom to retirement and Brad Stewart, who left to go back to San Jose, uh, leaving you really Cronwall and Erickson as the only two proven guys back there. Uh, but they've had a lot of young guys step
1: in and just a fantastic job in front of Jimmy Howard back there. All right. and for a team that almost didn't make the playoffs, they're doing pretty damn well for themselves. Hey, They
0: absolutely are. I, I honestly was very surprised to see them, well, first of all, make the playoffs, but particularly make it out of the first round there against a really talented Anaheim team. Um, and now they've got Chicago, who pretty much everybody expected Chicago to just walk
1: their way through the West. Right. And they were nearly just given the final free pass that's into that's the finals.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean – Unless Vancouver had stepped up to the plate, which they obviously did not. (laughs) That was really the only team that anyone saw giving the Blackhawks a run for their money there.
1: They got swept right out of the building by San Jose.
0: They absolutely did. A huge, huge win for San Jose in Game 4. Joe Thornton was just absolutely phenomenal. Um just just a one man wrecking crew out there. Do you see any of that game last night, Maddie?
1: Uh I missed it. I was uh I was jacked up off the Bruins win. Uh who was just taking a look at it. Yeah, Joey Thornton had himself a game, Logan Couture with the goal as well. Yeah. That Boy, team is locked up at two apiece. That
0: one shift I think it was the second period there for Thornton where he came in stripped the defenseman behind the net, walks out, takes a shot. It's saved. He goes behind the net, takes the puck from another defenseman, walks around, finds Brett Burns' back door with a wide-open net um, to give San Jose the lead there. Just absolutely huge. That, is, that could very well be the turning point of the series. Uh, but the biggest thing going forward, we've seen games like this from Joe Thornton before. We saw it way back when he was a kid with Boston. Um, right. Show up He's been doing
1: this some,
0: for a long time. Yeah, he'll show up some nights and look like the best player in the NHL, which is his feeling. He's that good. But he just doesn't do it on a consistent basis. The next night he'll be out there. He won't shoot the puck. He'll try to make passes that just aren't there and will look like a guy that – I don't want to say deer in headlights because that's not fair to me. Right.
1: To
0: Looks curious. like the game
1: might have passed him a little bit.
0: Yeah, at times. But – Still, I mean, he's probably a borderline Hall of Famer at this point, and he's really hasn't won anything, but he's been that good.
1: Right. Yeah. And uh, taking a look at the goaltending, we were talking about Henrik Lundqvist and how good he has to be for the Rangers. Jonathan Quick needs to be that good for the Kings as well.
0: He absolutely does. Uh, when the Kings made that cup run last year, the biggest reason why they were able to go as far as they did was Jonathan Quick. He was just huge for them. And
1: he honestly has played fairly well in this
0: series. I mean, and yeah, you
1: taking a look at his line from last night, he still saved 21 of 23 shots.
0: Yeah. I mean, the old adage for goaltending is, you know, you want to stop nine and 10 um, on average. And, If you're above that, you're doing pretty well. If you're below that, you're not doing so great. But, obviously, we saw right there, 21 out of 23, you said. So, he's right there. Yeah. And he's where he wants to be. The biggest thing for them is going to be able to find some secondary scoring. I mean, yes, they have Kopitar, they have Richards, they have Carter, all those guys. But they really need to find something from guys like Dusty
1: Brown and Jason Warren and those guys had stepped up in the cup run last year.
0: Yeah. yeah, those were the guys that were difference makers. Dustin Penner, another guy.
1: Um,
0: those are the guys that are going to be the difference for the Kings if they come out of this series. All right, and with that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to look at the NBA playoffs. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we have – a commissioner in one pro sport league who is just ecstatic, and that's obviously geared up in the NHL. But David Stern, oh, I feel sorry for you, my man. We'll take a look why. you wide. like Indiana, Dave.
1: You probably hear ads on the radio all the time for FanDuel.com, and we do too. You hear about from someone from somewhere that you've never heard of, winning over $200,000 playing daily fantasy games. Sounds great, but it certainly opens the door for skepticism. I'm skeptical, but that was until one of our own, while On Sports' Jason Gilson, turned his $10 entry into 200 cold ones playing the Friday DFBC. Super easy to play, no long-term commitment. They have games ranging anywhere from a $1 entry up to a $500 entry the prizes up into the thousands. Click any of the banners on the Wild on Sports homepage. Check out what the excitement's about. I've personally been playing for about two years. It's some of the most fun I've ever had playing fantasy sports. Even more fun than beating Dennis in fantasy football. Again, fanduel.com. Check it out on Wild on Sports. And with us, this is the Wild on Sports podcast for the week of may 20th i am maddie mcgrantz maddie mclaughlin whatever you want to call me i'm of course joined by my good friend and colleague Estes, and the real Cobb salad chris wentworth doing the producing for us tonight switching gears from the nhl we're going to take a look at the nba playoffs Dennis as you touched on it before we went to break one commissioner feeling pretty good about himself and one commissioner hoping that the major markets step up. What do you see with Gary Bettman and David Stern?
0: Well, for Gary Bettman, all your major markets are right there, with the exception of Canada. I mean, you got Ottawa, but your big ones, Toronto Montreal, aren't there. But all of your biggest United States markets, your New York, L.A., Boston, and San Jose, and, of course, your traditional ones in Chicago and Detroit, I mean, well, right, was you have four there's, of the original six teams still playing. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Exactly. That, that's huge for them. I mean, that's where they're going to make their money um, is with those teams. Now, on the flip side, <laughs> David Stern is left with Miami. Okay, there's one marquee team. All right. Going beyond that, Indiana, that eh, doesn't really do anything for you. No, Memphis? not a lot going on in
1: Indianapolis.
0: And San Antonio is a team that was good, but unless Tim Duncan was going to turn the clock back five more years, nobody cares, I think. They need yeah. everyone
1: on the team to turn the clock back five more years. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so I, I guess let's kind of jump right into the NBA here. Uh, only one series has started at this point. It's 2 nothing in favor of San Antonio. Matt, what do you see over there so far?
1: No, San Antonio's won pretty handily over uh, Memphis in both games. Their experience level is just so much higher than the Grizzlies. With Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard, so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a sweep, but I don't see a chance for Memphis to win this series. Miami and Indiana kicking off on Wednesday. Miami's had the big layoff but I don't think that's going to affect them at all. I'd see them maybe even sweeping this series, not even giving thought to the Pacers.
0: Yeah, um, I'm right with you there. I think this is Miami's championship to lose, as much as that hurts to say. Um, Miami's one of those teams where a handful of the country really likes them.
1: And 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 that handful's in South Florida.
0: There's – There's really no middle ground with them. You love them or you hate them, and most
1: people hate them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The front runners like them. So, of course, it wouldn't surprise me if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a (laughs) Heat fan. I don't know. Maybe you're like a Blackhawks fan, too. I don't know. Yeah. You really like Alabama football, but you live in Minnesota. Oh, I think you're not right. a real
0: fan. Oh, that, that, that's a real kick in the face to the Minnesotans. Those guys are pretty loyal.
1: <laughs> I don't know that yeah, I'd go sorry, there. guys. Uh, but I mean, how about South Dakota? Is that better?
2: Oh, uh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what's in South Dakota? Anything? Well,
0: what's that? I said, I said, what's in South Dakota? Anything? And then I just thought to myself, well, certainly not our audience at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, getting back to NBA. <laughs> uh, is there any way Indiana can stop this Miami offense, Do you think, that?
1: I don't think so. They really need Roy Hibbert to shut down the interior. If anyone drives on the net, he needs to be there to swat nearly everything away and disrupt whatever Miami has going on. On the perimeter, you know, if Indiana really focuses – on shutting down the lane, Miami has enough shooters on the outside to hit the open threes. If they focus on everyone on the perimeter, they're just going to slice through the middle. Right. They're in a they're in a no win situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, as good as that defense was in the regular season, and it was the best defense in the Eastern Conference statistically. Um, they really key on shutting down one or two key guys from the opposition. Well, exactly. They have the ability
1: to do that.
0: The problem with Miami is they have three all-stars and a supporting cast coming off the bench that's pretty pretty deep.
1: Three all-stars, a couple future Hall of Famers. You know, not a bad supporting cast to have.
0: God, no kidding. I mean, to have guys like... Hasland and Allen and just, just all of those guys are rolling off the bench. Yeah, no problem. We got it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice
1: just beating those guys for 15 minutes first. Must be nice to be Eric Spoltra. Hmm. I need to draw a play up to get a basket. Which one of these five guys will I go to?
0: Yeah, uh, maybe I'll pick the best player
1: in the world. Hmm. <laughs> or maybe I'll pick a three-point shooter that hasn't missed since he was in He Got Game, and it's Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah.
0: Or maybe I'll just do the one thing that nobody expects and throw it to the post and let Bosch. <laughs> get to
1: Chris the- Bosch. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, as long as he doesn't get the ball caught in his overalls, I think he'll be okay. Oh, boy. All right, so that's about the extent of our NBA coverage at this point. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll go around the NFL, take a look at the NFL draft, some draft grades, our winners and losers. Um, Also, the Patriots have a major injury to really the key to that offense outside of Tom Brady. Uh, And some other big news around the league um, Brian Erlacher announcing his retirement. We'll get into that. And yeah, and if the you're a wide
1: receiver, stop getting arrested. Oh, man, no kidding.
0: If you're a player in that league in general, stop getting arrested. But we'll touch on all of that and a couple other things in just a minute. And right, We're back here with Wild On Sports Weekly Podcast. I am host one, <laughs> I guess, that <laughs> alongside our own angry Irishman. He is Maddie McRance McLaughlin. You that's right, um,
1: you're host one. Just because you're talking more doesn't mean you're the lead guy there, Chief.
0: <laughs> I, I almost,
1: yeah, well,
0: we can cut that. out later. call me
1: a co-host, did you?
0: I was going to call you a co-host.
1: Well, I mean, I am, but that makes me feel uh, a smaller by myself.
0: <laughs> well, while we're on the topic of excellent radio, uh, let's take a look at the NFL draft, winners and losers here. Um, the draft just Go a couple for it. Of weeks ago. I think really there are four, maybe a fifth clear-cut clear clear-cut winner, um, and then Matty will let you talk about the losers. You can rave and rant about those guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, just getting things started, I think the clear-cut winner here is the Minnesota Vikings. Three first-round picks. um, They obviously traded back in to pick up a couple of those. Uh, First pick, they take Sarif Floyd, really good defensive tackle, um, considered by many to be a top-ten talent in this draft. Uh, Then they go ahead at number 25 and take quarterback Xavier Rhodes. uh, Just... Two quarterbacks in this draft, um, Dean Miller being the other one, Who and Rhodes, of course, just really heads and shoulders above the others. They can jump right in and be starter here and away, uh, which is something that Minnesota's going to need, especially going against Green Bay and all the offensive weapons and they have. After losing Percy Harvin. Well, yeah. Yeah, and they lose Percy Harvin, but they go out and draft Cordell Patterson. He's the wide receiver from Tennessee. Big guy. Um, reminds me a lot of Randy Moss. Maybe just a step slower, but he's a guy you can throw the ball up to and he'll go get it. Um, mm-hmm. Really having him on one side and Jenkins on the other is going to give Ponder a lot of options. I really like that pick there.
1: What do you think of those guys there, Maddie? You know, I really do like the uh, first round that they had. Um rest of the draft was a little ho-hum. They... Uh, they went for it all in round one and I think they're gonna cash in on each one of their three first round picks. That's yeah, really I what mean, it's all about. Absolutely.
0: And when you're looking at the draft, your first three or four guys are the guys that you should expect to make your team and be contributors. Beyond that, if you hit on one of those guys in the fifth through seventh rounds, well, right, good those for you. are your
1: depth guys.
0: Yeah, I mean unless you're looking to draft at kicker and you're just waiting <laughs> until the proper time, I mean, those are just oh, guys. I mean, don't. the
1: Vikings did pick a punter up.
0: They did. That is correct. We'll see how he comes into play. Uh, taking a look at a couple other winners. Uh, St. Louis, we saw them lose Danny Amendola via free agency to the New England Patriots. Uh, but they turn around and get a guy who is Danny Amendola times two in Tavon Austin really fast. Reminds me a ton of West Welker. In fact, I if you... Read the stuff on the site. You've probably seen me refer to him as the Black Wes Welker. I think he is that good. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see how he is able to connect with Sam Bradford and if they hit it off right away. I mean, the guy had Geno Smith throw to him at West Virginia, a quarterback who's not exactly known for his accuracy, um, and he put up just gaudy numbers. So I would expect him to do the same here. Um, also, looking at Alec. Oakletree, the linebacker at St. Louis, took him the 30th pick of the first round. Uh, mm. Really, really tough, good defensive player uh,
1: from Georgia.
0: He's a you guy. You got him that, alongside
1: uh, Lauren Itis as well. That's a pretty formidable uh, linebacking core. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going
0: to want to go over the middle against those guys. I don't know about no. you.
1: But not i mean, a little I, guy to begin with.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're, you're the Stokely of the group for sure. <laughs> um, looking at a couple of other teams, I really like um, the Miami Dolphins. While a lot of people were kind of caught off guard that they traded up to take Dion Jordan at number three, uh, a really just great pick for that defense. Tom Brady is going to be having a hard time sleeping at night going in and out of those games, having Jordan coming off one end and Cameron Lake coming
1: off the other. Um especially after mm-hmm. and Miami's always had that history of good edge rushers um dating yeah. back to Jason Taylor and the Zach Thomas days as well. So it's just Absolutely. another guy in that in that mold.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what kind of havoc those guys can wreak back there. Um, another really, really great pick, I think, was the Carolina Panthers, number 14, taking, oh, you're going to have to help me with this last name, <laughs> Star. What do you got, Matty? with 20 I I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Oh, there you go. Um, if you read our mock drafts, uh, the one and only Bob Cobb, who is a man in our control tonight, does a great job with those. Mock drafts. 2.0, he had Star Chewy or whatever, whatever his name is, <laughs> number one pick. I mean, he's that good. Um, right. A little bit raw coming out of Utah, so I mm-hmm. understand some of the skepticism there. Right, and
1: he did have the medical condition that he's been right. cleared with, but you stack him in front of Luke Kuechly, who had a just monster season. That's really yeah. strong up the middle. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's going to be that's going to be a tough team to
0: run on this year for sure. Um, so big things there. Um, the last team that I think did pretty well with the Denver Broncos who traded out of the first round, but of the 38th pick took Sylvester Williams. Um, Sylvester Williams is a guy who kind of like Floyd and star w- slipped quite a bit. Um, they're considered possible top ten talents at one point um, with Williams, was character issues. Um, if he can keep himself clean, I guess they're calling him a weak guy. Um, you obviously know who some of the other weak guys is. If you're a Patriots fan, Aaron Hernandez
1: dropped him <laughs> in the draft. He but a- do, uh, they needed to replace Elvis Dumerville's talent, and they were able to do so in the draft.
0: I absolutely think so, Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna throw the ball over to you now, Maddie, uh, to take a look at some of the losers in the right. draft and oh, there's
1: one actually, there's, there's one team that's pretty used to being losers, but I gotta give them some props in this draft, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They uh' they're able to pick up Luke Chuckeels, who is a potential number one pick. yeah, uh, Dwayne Grants a cornerback uh, potential starter. And they added Ace Sanders and uh, do-everything kind of guy, Denard Robinson as well. They'll be able to be a lot more creative, and they didn't have to take Tim Tebow at all from anyone. So that's a win for them too. <laughs> that That is another story for another day. But, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was there. Um, um, but looking at the losers of the draft, of course, I'm going to pick on the New York Jets. Uh, the D. Milner pick, nothing wrong with that. But you look at Sheldon Richardson going at 13, that is far too high for him. He could have been there second, third, even fourth round. Uh, Geno Smith, a depth pick, but that just causes a whole lot of confusion on the New York quarterback roster as well. They had at 1.6 quarterbacks on that roster. Why do they bring in Geno? Um, Probably because they had to. Um, So I didn't really like what the Jets did.
0: If you look at the Jets, well, I, I guess well, I'll start right at the top and kind of work my way down. Milner's a good a good player. You can't help but feel terrible for him because his job is he's going to be forever compared to Daryl Rivas, who he's replacing. Right.
1: And as you don't want, as want to replace is, the man. You want to replace the man that replaces the man. That's right. Absolutely. Um, that Richardson pick got
0: awful. There's nothing really to spend on. You kind of hit it right on the head. And I'm a little bit higher of a Geno Smith pick, I think, than you are. I think taking him in the second round made a little bit, of, made a lot of sense to me. He's a guy who has a super, super high ceiling. He could be a Michael Vick type, or he could be just another long line of fast
1: quarterbacks who just couldn't make it um, in the NFL. Right. So it's interesting to see he- what happens. Didn't run I, a pro style at all at West Virginia. They're a very run and gun under Holosin. So right. to see him transition to a pro offense with a lot more terminology than whatever Ace Jet 1A is. Yeah, whatever oh, I, he was calling out.
0: One thing that's going to help yeah. is having, say, Antonio Holmes, who, while he's not Tavon Austin, is kind of similar, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, right. He, Smart player, um, not afraid to take a hit—that type of deal. Um, so I think those two would probably click, assuming that Holmes can stay healthy. Um, I mean, the Jets are going to need to find a running game somewhere. They lost Green right
1: after uh, Sean Green departed, and then the guy that they brought in was just arrested as well on some crazy charges. <laughs>
0: well, couldn't happen to a better team, I well, suppose.
1: <laughs> talking about more losers. Um, Talking more about the draft here. Um, Tampa Bay Bucks, I know that you just said that they picked up Revis, so everything in the draft is kind of uh, I'm just icing on the cake for them. They picked up Mike Glennon in the third round, Mike Glennon coming out of NC State. He's not that close to being a starter, and you already have Josh Freeman on the roster who's had a decent campaign. His first year, a little bit shakier this past year. I don't really see a reason for them to need to bring a quarterback in unless they want to give that competition to Freeman. So if it wasn't for Revis, um, maybe their grade from other experts wouldn't be so high, but what they did didn't really impress me either.
0: Yeah, I mean, they lost a lot of picks in the draft.
1: To get Revis,
0: so I guess you kind of slot Revis in with this draft class in theory, saying, "Hey, we, you know, we gave up a first rounder, but we got a guy who went healthy is right, the best defensive player in football." And they so, also picked up the. Um,
1: I can't remember the gentleman's name, but from uh, San Francisco in the secondary as well to shore that up.
0: Yeah, uh, Golson.
1: That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a, he's a great little safety back there.
0: Um 49ers are really going to miss him, um, but very good player. Um, yeah, looking um, at another, another couple of losers, Matt, I just wanted to touch on one real quick. Um, going back to the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, why in the world are you taking E.J. Manuel? I, I mean, don't know. He, I and, don't even the, in the top three quarterbacks
1: in this draft class, let no, alone the number 16 pick. And his college coach, now the head coach in Buffalo, what does that say about Ryan Nasbitt? That his, oh. his college coach is just like, you know what? I'd rather have the unknown guy that have no, no repertoire with an EJ Manuel and let Nasbitt slip.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I was that coach, I'd probably just say forget it. I'm going to clean house at the quarterback position. If I if I like Manuel enough to bring him in, I maybe I take Nasid in the third or fourth round as well, just to have a little depth and Right. You're the, you know, he's not going to cut it in the NFL, which is probably more of the case. Um, but I, I guess you're going to give the Giants a little bit of credit for taking a chance on him late. He'll be
1: decent insurance. Um, Mm-hmm. Meeting, obviously they hope for that. right. I mean, I know the Giants fans are hoping that he never sees the field, but not a bad guy to have there just in case.
0: And he's an in state guy, so right away he's gonna have a pretty
1: decent following there. Um so good for them. Uh you got another loser for us, Manny? Yeah, um what the Reds considered in the draft, which wasn't much um they um Picked up, uh, let's see here, David Armson out of NC State. He's been up and down. He was uh, pretty highly touted to start the season coming out of NC State, but never really uh, lived up to his potential. Um, nothing real great there, nothing to surround RG3 with. Maybe you want to get him a lineman or two. I don't know, just a thought.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, having your franchise quarter get, that quarterback being thrown around the field like a rag doll is probably not the best way to conduct business. But, I mean, who knows? Daniel Snyder has got a master plan, I'm sure, and I promise you that it will not work.
1: (laughs) And it involves a lot of money.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, better it if you got it, I guess. I guess
1: so. Yeah. All
0: right, so the final team I want to touch on as a loser, and I think they were a big loser here, uh, was the Chicago Bears, they could have had tight end Tyler Effort, who would have been just a fantastic fit there, would have given Cutler another weapon to add to Brandon Marshall. Nope, we don't want him. Instead, <laughs> we're going to take a tackle in Jake Long, who we could have had probably in the third round. Who no, not B- Jake, Long. Okay. Jake Long, Jake Long's brother. Right, Kyle Long. Oh, yeah, I said Jake. <laughs> Jake. Kyle Long is not even a fraction of the lineman that Jake Long is. And, of course, he couldn't even hold his father's jockstrap, I think, when you're talking about as a tackle. Um, just an absolute waste. I I know they're hoping the pedigree will work out for him. Uh, if you can keep him, you know, off the hard drugs, then all the power right. to you, maybe he
1: turns into something. But I just don't like that pick at all. No. And – um. Going on with the Bears here, big news today on Wednesday. Brian Erlacher, after 13 years drafted in the 2000 draft, saying, Noah, enough's enough. He's hanging it up. Another great middle linebacker and tradition of great middle linebackers in Chicago.
0: Yeah. I mean, what, what a
1: Hall of Fame class it's going to be in a few years when you have
0: Ray Lewis. An unbelievable linebacker and Brian Urlacher, who is just a tackles machine. he led the league in tackles, I was looking I at think something that had a, there, just
1: a right around 1,700 in his career. Um, That's he. Awesome. He was an absolute beast. He, uh, a eight-time Pro Bowler over his 13-year yeah. career. That's, That's a guy for I see in Canton. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but feel bad for the guy.
0: Obviously, he wanted to play a few more years. Um He wasn't in the plans in Chicago, and I think he really didn't like the money that other teams were offering. I don't think many teams right. wanted to give much guaranteed money to a guy who has missed a lot of time the last couple of seasons to injury mm-hmm. and is getting up there in age. And, it, I mean, as good as he's been, his skill set's diminishing. That's going to happen with age.
1: Uh, right, not- and – Bears offered him the one-year, $2 million deal that Erlacher kind of felt with a slap in the face. Um, Regardless, he is going to end his career in the same place that he started it, which is impressive in its own right.
0: It is, absolutely. And and good for him for realizing that and saying, you know what, Um, maybe it's time. I've been a little beat up. Instead of just damaging my body anymore, it's time to go out on a high note. And not get his brain scrambled and maybe enjoy a part of his life. Yeah. Well, switching gears from a a happy story to a couple of not-so-great stories, Matt, I know you're a huge Patriots fan. I am. How worried are you about the latest Rob Gronkowski injury and surgery? Well, I'm
1: trying to stay calm, but it's tough. Without Rob Gronkowski, this team lacks a lot he's yeah his injuries are the reason why they haven't won super bowls absolutely i mean they've been right there
0: the last two years and he's tried to play hurt and i think you have him healthy
1: you win one if not both of those right and i agree um aaron hernandez also with his own injury issues of course you have Jake Ballard who you uh stash on the roster last year to uh relieve yourselves a little bit.
0: He makes you all warm and fuzzy inside, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, but this is Gronk's world. We're just living in it. <laughs> <laughs> not, yo, soy fiesta, my yo, soy Fiesta. Uh it's not gonna be a fiesta if he's not ready for the regular season. Yeah, I mean
0: if you look at that offense as good as Tom Brady is, and who knows, they've just been able to plug guys in over the years and get it done. But you lose Walker, who was mm-hmm. Brady, you know, comfort blanket. You lose Gronk, who's his biggest weapon. Hernandez is a question mark. Lloyd's gone. I mean, really at this point, you're left with Julian Edelman, who's coming off an injury. You're mm-hmm. left with Danny Mandola, who we talked about, who's a, a nice player and I think is going to fit in okay with Brady there. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I don't get excited
1: about guys like Donald Jones and mm-hmm. Right. And they did draft a couple of uh couple of guys as well to uh to bolster the receiver core. So maybe yeah. it's not as bad um picking up uh, Josh Boyce and Aaron Dobson in the draft.
2: Yeah,
1: we'll see but, what happens Yeah, they need Gronk. They need Gronk bad. Um the Patriots know that he has injury issues. That's how he slipped to them, but it was yeah. very easy to overlook that, seeing his success. Right. I mean, he he was
0: really big. No, I, I I think he missed almost all the senior season at Arizona, if I'm
1: not mistaken. Right. It was a back injury that held him out. Then it's a back injury back. Back along with oh. a forearm. That's uh, that's. Got him out of commission now, so do, yeah. Do you as think a Patriots you, fan, I'm concerned. Do you think? And I, I know there have been whispers, but do you think there is any steroid involvement there that could be a no. reason? No, constant? because if you look at his entire family, they're all mammals. Yeah. So right. I don't think uh, I think those whispers are. Uh, yeah, didn't turn I mean, into a hush pretty quick. the injury history
0: and the size of the man. I mean, it's understandable that someone would ask the
1: question. Um, well, I mean, that's the day and age that we're in, though. If you're, right. a, if you're an athletic freak, you're an athletic freak on steroids. Right. Well,
0: change, changing topics from one bad story to the next, um
1: Matt, what on earth is going on with the wide receivers in this league? Ocho Cinco, well, like, luckily they're not in this league anymore. Yeah, but, Ocho Cinco is no
0: longer in this league, but I guess he's lumped in because of who he was. And Titus Young,
1: man, come on, three man. times twice in a day. How the hell does that happen? How stupid do no, you I got to arrested me? once. I'm good. No, yeah. you know what? No, it's going to be a I'm great idea. If I get arrested again, that sounds like a super idea. What an idiot. (laughs) Oh boy. Well,
0: you know what's clear to me at this point, um, seeing the Ocho Cinco thing. And for those of you who haven't seen it, um, he was on probation for headbutting his now ex-wife. Um, that happened right before the Miami Dolphins cut him in training camp prior to last season. Um, but he was on probation, left the county, worn out for his arrest, the whole nine yards. Well, they finally catch up with him. Um, he was smart enough to help out the police, tweeting, chilling in Pasadena, uh, which is obviously outside of Day County. So, really smart move there. Um, I, I guess if you're the NFL, you got to start looking at programs to help these guys out,
1: especially right. and- from questionable backgrounds. Right, and luckily now they do have that rookie symposium where they bring guys in, um, older veteran players, to kind of talk to the rucks about what it's like. But these are young guys getting a lot of money.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're coming from a background that has a lot of drugs and violence, that's what you've grown up around. All of a sudden you have just a ton of money thrown in your lap, well, what's the first thing you're going to do? Well, you're right. probably going to go start- home. Oh, well, you're going to buy a couple guns. Maybe you're going to buy a couple guns for your buddies just to help them out.
1: And before you know it, you've found yourself in hell of a mess. Right. And look at a guy like uh, was it McLean, who was playing out in Oakland. Uh, I believe yeah. he was just picked up by uh, by the Ravens. But that's a guy who or actually, no, I take that back. He retired because no one wants to take a risk on him. He can't go to his own hometown without getting himself arrested. Just just
0: terrible. They've got to come up with something. I mean, that's the, that's the bottom line. What that right. answer is, the guys that are far smarter than you and I, but... <laughs> Not no, by much, but... Well, yeah, it, if you're Roger Goodell i got to imagine that you're thinking, this is just a PR nightmare. What can I do to fix it? Right. All right. So with that, we are going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll take a look around Major League Baseball. A couple of surprises in the AL East. uh, A couple more surprises for the wrong reasons out on the West Coast. And how on earth do the St. Louis Cardinals continue to do what they're doing? Um, All that and more next.
1: back on the Wild on Sports podcast. How are you guys doing? Again, I'm Maddie McGrance, joined by Dennis Estes, Chris, aka at Real Cobb Salad on the controls tonight. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Wild on Sports. Feel free to email us, too, with any questions. It's info at wildonsports.com. Check out FanDuel, too. too. It's pretty cool. Um, we are switching gears. talked about NHL, the NBA, and the NFL might as well hit on the last major sport. Of course, that is Major League Baseball. Surprises everywhere in the AL East and the NL West. And Dennis, a lot of the pundits, a lot of the smart guys are thinking that the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be running away with the AL East. It's not the case.
0: Yeah, well, just. Yes. Unbelievable stuff going on over there. They make the huge trades to bring in guys like Dickey and Reyes, Burley, Johnson, all those guys, and they here they are about a like well, a quarter way into the season and they're in last place. Everybody expected them to be in first. Um, really, this division's kind of the inverse at this point. You have in fifth place Toronto, in fourth place Baltimore, who you know a year ago right, were the, playoff the darlings of last year. Yeah. Uh, third, you got Tampa Bay, who they're, they're still very much in the mix. That pitching staff, they can turn it on at all any right. time um, and really just turn it on. Um, and up at the top, the two teams that everybody was kind of dismissing as being old or injured and just not having it this year is
1: the Yankees and the Red Sox.
2: All right.
1: The, the Yankees have been unbelievable. Overcoming yeah, all- they have so many just scrap heap guys that have been – producing for him. They brought him Lyle Bay probably just to take a look at him for the day. And he has more yeah. RBI than Albert Pujols. That, that's crazy to think. I mean, he was a yeah. guy who did the Red Sox at a training camp. He, he right. Off
0: the street to the Yankees camp, walks onto the starting lineup thanks to to uh, Teixeira being out. I mean, just look, listen to the guys who are on the disabled list.
1: Teixeira, Granderson, A-Rod. Wow! Right, those three guys. I mean, you're, I mean, of course, it's only three players, but it's those three players.
0: Yeah, and oh, and I kind of forgot one guy. Yeah, this Derek Jeter guy. I don't know if you've heard of him.
1: Probably um, the best
0: in the mon. Well, in our well, lifetime, once or twice. I yeah. might have heard of him. Yeah. So really, the top four guys in the batting order haven't played yet this year, and here they are, Where? a quarter way into the season. Sitting in first place. Yeah, it's they're a game and a
1: half up on the Red Sox. They're 10 games above Toronto, who's down in the cellar. Yeah. And I mean, we have to touch on it quickly, too. I know that we're, uh, we're running out of time here, but Mariano Rivera has just been absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy who said coming into the season that this would be it,
0: and coming off of injuries, I know a lot of people thought, well, maybe it's already over. But he has been the best closer in baseball again. Um, well, he's got to be what forty plus at this point years old, mm-hmm.
1: and, and he's I mean, perfect, perfect on I mean, he's
0: table. coming from South America, where he, I mean, you just don't know what right
1: what age is. So right, just a kid coming out of Panama. He's a starter in the Yankees system. He found the cutter in a bullpen session, and that's the story. Unbelievable. Um, We are going to uh, switch it up, take a look at the NL West. Dennis, what the hell is going on out there? The the whole West Coast is just kind of in a
0: funk. I mean, the two teams teams that made the most noise the past couple of offseason in the Angels and the Dodgers – Find themselves with just 17 wins, and if it wasn't for the Triple A Houston Astros, both teams would be in last place
1: in their divisions. Never, right. and Don Mattingly's tough. on the hot seat currently. Well, for good reason. I mean, you bring in guys week. like Adrian Gonzalez
0: and Carl Crawford, uh, as when you already have Cam and Efe here and all those guys, and right.
1: you go back to results. Right, but. Imagine this: a team with Josh Beckett, Carl Crawford, Adrian Gonzalez, a team that had a lot of money spent on them, who aren't doing so well. Does that remind you of anything? Uh, let's see.
0: Trying to buy a championship with overpaid guys. Oh, man, it's mm, the
2: 2012. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just ship him out west. We'll see if it makes a difference. Well, no, nope. sorry guys. I mean, no, nope, it didn't. Is, and I feel bad lumping him into this because he is a good player. That's true. But man, <laughs> Josh, <Beckett> is just <laughs> a, an absolute cancer. Trying to watch him break up the bench's clearly clearing brawl a couple of months ago against San Diego was <laughs> just. I mean, it was. You know survive. that you'd rather
1: take a swing. Oh, it was funny.
0: Um God, that that team is just going to be so frustrating for the people out in LA who, I mean, they don't, have, normally they have a basketball team to cheer for, so they don't pay any attention to baseball for another couple <laughs> weeks. But with the Lakers and Clippers both bounced, it, baseball season came early this year, and between There's the not Dodgers a lot to look at, and the Angels, who are about to touch on next, who, my God, talk
1: about a bad baseball team with a lot of talent. And that's not a Mike Socha baseball team. Let's get that clear. That's a team that had money to spend, so they did bring yeah. in um, Hamilton. Yeah. But those Mike Socha teams of the mid-2000s, they were a small ball team. They were fast. They were pesky. They were real good defensively. That's not this team. They have the mashers with Pujols and Trout, uh, Trumbo, and in Hamilton, they should have the starting pitching too, but just hasn't seen the click out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's – it's hard to really pinpoint which problem is going to be the source of the solution there. There's just so much going wrong for them. Right. And
1: Mike Sosha has been out there for a long time. Could it be that his message just isn't getting through anymore?
0: Uh, it's it's very possible. I mean, guys like that. And we saw it with Terry Francona in Boston. As good a managers as they are, at some point, uh, you just need a change. You need a friend. We've right. so, I mean, seen
1: it with the Minnesota Twins over the past years, too. Of course, their roster isn't anywhere close to what these ones are. But Ron Rang- Gardenhire's right. in there, I think since I was born, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any other manager who's been a part of that team. Did Paul
0: Molitor play for him?
1: He might have. Who knows?
0: Paul Molitor and Kirby Puckett and those guys. I "I think Kirby Puckett was
1: managed by him. (laughs) (laughs) That's unbelievable. If you're Um, listening to this, we're we're kidding if you can tell. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, anyway going to our last topic for the MLB, um, how in the world do the St. Louis Cardinals continue to be one of the best teams in baseball year after year after mm-hmm. losing all these players? I mean, we saw them lose their stud career ending injury, probably for Carpenter um, mm-hmm. started and they just keep rolling. They just drag out a bunch
1: right. of deal.
0: It's ain't no thing.
1: Right, Mike Matheny just picking up where Tony La Russa left off. They don't have many names on the team at all. Of course, they have Molina. Right, and they have Freeze and Holiday. Um, Beltran, if you want to throw him in there, though he's on on the decline. But you're winning with guys like Alan Craig, Pete Cosma, John Jay. Those aren't your marquee names. Oh, far from it.
0: And on bar, the pitching bar. staff,
1: you still have Adam Wayne right there, who's who's just a solid, solid pitcher. But yeah. Jamie Garcia and Jake Westbrook are guys that are just playing out of their minds right now. And,
0: and the best pitcher on the entire staff has been the rookie there, Miller, who, I mean, he's duking it out with Harvey from the Mets to be the rookie of the year and he's making a very, very, very strong case for himself at this point. Um he, he let's see, what is he now? Well he's lost a couple of games at five and three, but he has just a one point seven four ERA. He had a complete game shutout earlier in the year um against the Colorado Rockies.
1: Uh,
0: Shelby Miller
1: he's is got, a stunt. He's got sixty two strikeouts on the season. Compare that to 15 walks, and he's only given up three home runs. That's phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I mean, St. Louis starting pitching is hands down the best in the Major League Baseball at this point. Um, ERA, team ERA in the threes, uh, that's probably not something that's going to continue for the entire season.
1: Um, no.
0: But if you can keep these guys pitching fairly consistently, pitching is the name of the game. They're going to be a major force
1: right And his earliest arbitration is 2016. He's under team control for a while. Right. Yeah. (laughs)
0: That's a a good guy to have locked down there.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Um, Another exciting edition of the Wild on Sports Weekly Radio Podcast. Uh, just to give you guys a couple of heads-up of things coming down the line, on the website, obviously, be sure to check out our at Ice Life and Puckmania blogs. They're going to take you through everything you need to know that's going on in the NHL playoffs. Um, over in the NBA, obviously, we have Hoops Hysteria going. Um, we'll take a look at any news there. Hopefully, there'll be something exciting that doesn't involve the Miami Heat. Um coming up on the site, obviously the podcasts are new and exciting, hopefully you've enjoyed them Uh, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at Wild On Sports Um, if you want to email the show, info at wildonsports.com, we'll get to a bunch of those next week, we have a few um, so guys, don't think we forgot them Uh, we'll get to those next week, we're just running out of time here, Uh, Maddie, any parting words?
1: Break out the brooms, go Bruins series is over and someone please team Miami Heat
0: (laughs) Amen, brother. I like both of those. Um, so, <laughs> for the angry Irishman, Maddie Nickerance McLaughlin, and of course the real Cobb salad at the controls himself, Mister Esquire the Third. I am Dennis Estes signing off for this week's podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. Yeah, I'm talking.
1: I got a nacho in my mouth.